She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Season 4. Episode 20. Small Potatoes. This episode is a Monster of the Week episode and originally aired on Sunday, April 20th, 1997 at 9 p.m. In it, Mulder and Scully investigate a cluster of newborn babies being born with tails, with the mother of the most recent birth reporting that the father was from a galaxy far, far away. Ooh. Mm-hmm. This episode was filmed in British Columbia, Canada, and it was written by Vince Gilligan and directed by Cliff Boyle. Ooh. By Cliff Bowl. I don't know how you say his name. Bowl. We did that on the Millennium, too. <laughs> Bowl, boil, bole. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, Cliff. I don't know how to say I it. I would think bowl, but I don't know. Could it be like mole, but with a B, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Tabler's Community Hospital, Martinsburg, West Virginia. A pregnant woman is being rolled down the hall, and the nurse is talking her through breathing and making sure she's okay. And then another nurse comes running up with a clipboard saying she needs a woman's full name and social security number. She gives the nurse her info. Her name is Amanda Nelligan. She also gives her social security number, which is probably fake. But anyway, <laughs> the nurse asks if there's anyone she needs to contact, like the father of the baby. Amanda doesn't know how to get a hold of him. The nurse offers to try if she gives her a name. Amanda says the father is from another planet. The nurse stops as Amanda is wheeled into the delivery room. And like the people <laughs> rolling the gurney kind of stop back and look at her like, mm. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, whatever. Amanda pushes and the doctor delivers a baby. So apparently she hit like a speed record too because she had like a super easy labor. Like the baby just popped right out basically. Mm-hmm. And when it comes out, he's all, oh. And the nurse drops her forceps. And Amanda's like, what is it? And doctor's like, no, no, everything's okay. And then the baby starts crying. And he's like, you have a nice, healthy baby girl. And she's like, oh. And then he takes the baby behind the screen and he holds it up. And we can see that it has a tail. It's all swishing around. And he's like, oh, Lord, not another one. And then it's the theme song. Dun-dun-dun, X-Files. Dun-dun-dun, two whistles and (laughs) stuff. Yeah, there we go. That's it. Yep. Truth is out there. It is. It is out there. Amanda Nelligan is played by Christine Cavanaugh, who did a lot of voice work for animation. Notably, she played Chucky in almost all incarnations of Rugrats. She played Dexter in Dexter's Laboratory. She played Babe the Pig in Babe and Gosel and Mallard in Darkwing Duck. Those are some of the more prominent roles, but she has a huge list. She did a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, she passed away in 2014 from leukemia. Mm. Been a while since I watched it, but from this scene and from the episode itself, I'm going to say that I think Gosel was just her actual voice and she was just not actually doing a voice like like obviously chucky is like you hear her talking you're like okay chucky's a variation that you can tell it's chucky but it's a variation dexter obviously variation right um i haven't seen babe the pig i mean we know scully has but i haven't so i don't (laughs) know um but i watched darkwing duck and i'm pretty sure like this is just her like obviously acting but like just using her own voice not doing it yeah and voice actors do that sometimes where they just use their normal voice and sometimes they have a special voice for the character and it works either way Mm -hmm. her voice kind of also reminds me of um i can't remember her name like ashley johnston or something but the person who plays ellie in the last of us 
not the show, but the um, like the video games. She has oh, that like kind the cut of scene stuff. Kind of. Well, no, like the actual video games, like The Last of Us, The Last of Us Part Two. She plays Ellie, and like she has the similar like texture to her voice and quality and like similar sound but i mean obviously they're different people oh i but... guess yeah i was i was thinking cut scenes because that's, but I, there is like voices when you're playing the game as well too yeah yeah. Okay. yeah absolutely but yeah i don't know i really i've seen christine kevin on other stuff too and like i don't know i'm just really sad to hear that she's gone that's kind of a i didn't know just... I, you know what i probably did know at some point and forgot to be honest which is not a great thing to say but uh, well i mean you know it's hard to keep track of these things but i was excited to see her she does a really good job in this episode i think she's i think she's probably the best part of the episode and i think she's really fun so (laughs) i mean because like my wife and i watch rugrats all the time we quote rugrats all the time oh do you dexter's laboratory was amazing watch that all the time i mean omelette du fromage i know and that was one of Andrew's favorite shows, too, because I remember when it was on, like, Adult Swim, and he would watch it all the time. And so I yeah. usually saw it because he was watching it. And, like, I love Darkwing Duck, too. So, like, I was a huge Yeah, fan. I watched Darkwing Duck all the time, too. Let's get I did watch Rugrats, but, like, I feel like that was – I was a little older. I mean, obviously <laughs> – you're older than me but i mean in terms of like it wasn't (laughs) i i I hate you know you you meet people and they're like oh yeah rugrats was like a formative part of my childhood and like that was too late for me like i was already like middle school high school or whatever but i was still watching it on nickelodeon or whatever so i definitely have seen it i watch cartoons all the time yeah cartoons are great i love cartoons yeah the tail effect isn't great. It's mm. kind of smooth and kind of shiny. And also, I'm not sure whoever made this has ever seen an actual tail before. Because, like, <laughs> it's really thick and then it's pointy. Not like devil pointing like where it's an arrowhead, but, like, it ends in a point. And, like, yeah. tails don't do that. Like, hairy tails look like that, but this is not a hairy tail. It's a skin tail. Like, it would just be, like, roundy, like a fingertip or something on the end. So Yeah, um, they probably thought it looked better if they... Apparently they wanted to do wings because they oh. thought wings would be cool, but they couldn't get the effect to look right, which I could mm. kind of believe based on how this tail turned out. So, and then also like the tail is like a thing that actually does occur in yes, people do sometimes life. have them. Yeah, not to this extent where it's all like swishing around kind of thing, uh, more of a vestigial. But anyway, yeah. So. Yeah. So in the episode, while driving, Mulder slaps an issue of World Weekly Informer in Scully's lap. The headline story is Monkey Babies Invade Small Town. And then it's got a very badly photoshopped photo of a baby with a monkey head and tail. It's pretty awful. Yeah, it's one of those like capuchin monkeys, I think is what it is. The ones that are always like using like the little wearing the little bellhop outfits kind of things. Mm-hmm. Monkeys, I think. He says the photo's over the top, but asks what she thinks. Scully is not amused. Mulder Esser. Children born with vestigial tails don't interest you? Scully explains how it sometimes happens, but Mulder points out that five times in the last three months in a town of 15,000 people is more than a statistical anomaly. Scully agrees it's an issue, but she thinks it's a job for the local health department. Mulder says they're already investigating. She looks at the paper and the headline on the bottom of the photo reads, did West Virginia women mate with visitors from space? So she's like, hmm, okay. So she asks if his interest in this case is related to the visitors from space, perhaps more than the monkey babies, because we know how Mulder thinks. And Mulder just kind of smiles. <laughs> so probably, yes. 
At the hospital, Amanda tells Mulder and Scully that the doctor says the baby is fine. She's really healthy. And when she's a few months old, it's just a matter of snipping the tail off. And then she makes like scissor fingers. She's like, snip. I, the waiting a few months seems weird to me, but maybe because they figure it might keep growing or something. I'm not sure. That's just, yeah, I don't like, know what do, the point of that is. Why would you do it as early as possible? But, I, don't I don't know. Maybe because the baby's so young, you don't want to do any kind of surgery. I don't know. Yeah. Scully asks if she experienced any unusual complications during her pregnancy or underwent any kind of fertility treatment. Amanda says, no, she wasn't trying to get pregnant. She's a single mom now. Mulder says that when she was admitted to the hospital, she said the father of the baby wasn't from this planet. And he's like, what did you mean by that? And she's like, you know, that he's not from this planet. <laughs> and so Mulder's like, were you abducted? Because, of course, he's, hoping, he's always hoping for those abduction cases. She says, no, he just dropped by her apartment one day. And then one thing led to another. And Mulder's like, but the baby's father is an alien. And Amanda corrects him. She says, I didn't say he was an alien. I said he was from another planet. His name is Luke Skywalker, and he's a Jedi Knight. <laughs> <laughs> and Scully's face literally does not change at all from her initial unamused expression. Like, it just does not shift in any way. And she just asks, did he have a lightsaber? And Amanda says, no, he didn't bring it. <laughs> and then Scully asks her how many times she's seen Star Wars. And Amanda says, 368. She's hoping to break 400 by Memorial Day. And so Scully nods and Mulder leaves. He, <laughs> he kind of does the whole like Homer Simpson melting back into the bush thing. Like he's just like, mm, came out of here. Scully thanks her and she's about to leave when Amanda stops her. Amanda mentions all the babies born around town with tails. And then she asks, there's no chance Luke is the father of all those babies, is there? And Scully honestly looks like she has no idea what to say. She looks completely taken aback by all this. So I just want to say this scene is so great. Thank you, Vince Gilligan. Like, it's so fucking perfect. Like, Scully's expressions are just completely fantastic. And Mulder just, like, is immediately deflated as soon as she says Luke Skywalker. And he just, like, backs out of the room. He's like, nope. Okay. Sorry, I was wrong. And I don't know. The whole thing is just really great. <laughs> So then we see Mulder standing at the observation window in the hospital nursery, and he's looking at the babies. Amanda's baby has a little hole for its tail in the diaper. It's, it's really cute. And then Mulder joins Scully as she comes down the hall and says that he thinks there's more going on here than Luke Skywalker. And Scully thinks he's right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So then we're at Easter Appalachian Regional Health Department. And the doctor from the health department puts PCRs of the five children on the light board. They put in calls to the parents and hope to do blood tests on the fathers this afternoon. They aren't going to be happy. She tells them the answer is so obvious that she probably wouldn't even bother to check for it. And Mulder's like, what answer? And so Scully shows him where the DNA strands all match, indicating that all five children share the same father. Apparently it's like a chromosome missing or something. Mm -hmm. uh, Scully should have known right away because that's a hereditary defect. And so Mulder is like, that means the father had a tail as well? And Scully says he probably had it surgically removed somewhere along the way. So Mulder wonders how it happened. 
and then realizes that all five women shared the same OBGYN, because there's only one in town. And four of the women, the ones who are married, so except for Amanda, received insemination therapy as a means of conception, so it's possible the doctor had something to do with it. (gasps) So science note, a PCR, which is a polymerase chain reaction, is actually a method of making copies of DNA, usually by the millions, so they can be studied and then done like this, right? It's not the method of actually isolating and mapping them for a comparison that's shown here. What we are seeing are actually images of gel electrophoresis, which is mm-hmm. the method they use to separate them. So, and then they're mm-hmm. like in a gel matrix, which is why they're always in that same kind of configuration and they get dyed and then they take photos of them. So, cool. Yeah. So, it's not a PCR. They're wrong. Anyway. <laughs> then we're at the office of Dr. Alton Pugh, OBGYN. And we see angry couples gathered at the office demanding to know what Dr. Pugh did. He insisted he didn't do anything and they'll get to the bottom of it. But the parents are obviously furious for good reason. Obviously, they came there for fertility therapy, not to have somebody else's baby. One man says it's bad enough having a boy with a tail and then you find out it's not even yours. Mulder and Scully tell them who they are and the parents are like, great, arrest this guy. Mulder says they're just there to figure out what's going on. Pew insists that all the women were inseminated with their husband's sperm. It was just a sperm motility issue, and the process he used had a 40% chance of success. He was actually surprised that it worked all four times. All he can think is, maybe it never worked at all. Some of the couples demand to know what he means by that. Pew says he's not accusing anyone of anything, He's just saying the latest patient of his who had a baby with a tail didn't even undergo the process. So maybe they're mad at the wrong baby doctor. So during this conversation, Mulder wanders off down the hall and he stops when he sees a janitor fixing a sink in one of the rooms. And the janitor is bent over and he has a plumber's crack and you can clearly see the scar from the removal of a tail. Mulder introduces himself and says he'd like to ask him a few questions. The man, Eddie Van Blunt, says, okay, but then he bolts. So Mulder chases him down the hall and he tackles him and kind of near where Scully is standing and he shows her the scar. The parents who were there see it as well and everyone makes the connection. Yeah, they don't seem pleased at all. No, of course they're not pleased. (laughs) Yeah, but even more so, I think the fact that if it's that guy in particular, they're kind of... mm. So apparently everyone knows him because it's a small town. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So later in an interrogation room, Mulder drops five paternity tests on the table in front of Eddie. And Eddie is like, they spelled my name wrong. There is a silent H in here. So, and then they're like, how did you do it? You're the father of five children. Do you have any insight into how five women became inseminated with your sperm? And he's like, Maybe it was romance. And Mulder's like, you're saying romance was involved? And he's like, so what? Just because I was born with a tail, no one would want me. And Scully points out that none of them remember having sex with him. And he's all hypothetically speaking, and I'm not admitting anything, but all these women wanted babies and their husbands weren't capable. So everyone is happy. Everyone got what they wanted and no one was hurt. What's the crime? (laughs) I mean, rape, generally speaking. But yes, yeah. Well, I don't know. 
Yeah, we'll mention that in a little bit here. I have, okay. I have a question about that. They immediately jump to that, and I'm kind of like, well, I might as well discuss it now. It just seems weird because they do immediately jump to, like, it was actual sex and rape. And I know the doctor's like, oh, well, maybe the thing I tried didn't work. But, like, I get that, like, the last one did not have the therapy. But you're working in a place with artificial insemination, and someone is giving birth to the same, like, fathered babies it would just make sense like you would immediately just think like, oh, he like, you know, made a donation and like just switched the sperm out. And the doctor didn't yeah. know he switched the sperm out. So he thinks like that would be the like in the real world. And this is actually based on a real case where they got the right. idea for this episode because that did happen. Like that's what you would go to. And at right. the moment, they don't know that there's anything weird that we're going to find out is weird about this case. And so it seems like the rape thing just is way more they do this next fall all the time. The logical answer they come up with is way more complicated than like the simpler answer. And it just it's seems true. Weird. They immediately jump to the rape stuff. So because I would immediately think, yeah, he was doing something in the exam room or switching out. Yeah, because he works whatever. there, right? Right. And so you know, yeah, that would make more sense. Because even if the other woman didn't, like Amanda, didn't go through that, she might have been. I don't know. There might have been. I, I guess you're not really unconscious at the OBGYN. Unfortunately, you have to be conscious through all of it. And it sucks really hard. But I mean, I just say that as <laughs> someone who just hates that those kinds of exams. But um, so I guess there's not really a good way to have done that. But yeah, I don't know. It is kind of a weird leap. But I guess they're thinking, well, Maybe he didn't have the, maybe they've talked to the doctor and the doctor's like, well, there's no way he could have had access to the samples. They're locked. I don't know. Maybe they've, but it's not shown on the screen. So it does feel like a very weird, like logical leap. Because I mean, there could be, there also could be rape, like within the clinic itself, right? I mean, there's been cases of that where like you inject someone, they go under, the doctor actually has like literal sex with someone and then, you know, leaves. And, but even that would be super complicated because like you'd have to go around the doctor, around any nurses. Right. Yeah. It would just be hard. So yeah. Yeah. But it it seems where they jump to that first instead of like the more simple, but. And then be like, and and like we have one outlier case that we're not sure how that would work, but we have four that definitely would work this way. Right. So it just seems like that would be the way you'd want to go. But I also realize it's TV. So mm-hmm. anyway, Mulder pulls out. Anyway, Mul- no, Mulder doesn't pull out. Talking about <laughs> having sex. Uh- <laughs> oh, someone's got their mind in the gutter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Scully pulls Mulder out of the room and says she thinks this may have involved some kind of Rohypnol. 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 Some kind of Rohypnol rape. So what we were just talking about, right? The drugs can cause memory loss and the loosening of inhibitions, especially when accompanied by alcohol. And Mulder's like, that's a plausible theory, but he wonders how Eddie would have had the chance to slip the win the drug because none of them seem to be like the drink alone in a bar type, right? They're all, right. you know. So Scully thinks it's enough to hold him while they investigate further. So, yeah. Yeah. And Eddie Van Blunt is played by our best friend, Darren Morgan. Yeah. And finally enough, in this little note right here, Tori left the H out of his name. <laughs> yeah, it's a dumb spelling. I mean, I'm sorry. To, I shouldn't say that because it's probably <laughs> someone with a real spelling out there. Well, it's, it's, it's actually a joke. They did it on purpose because of the oh, whole okay. David Duchovny thing. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just think it's funny when like TV shows or like books like go out of their way to have someone's name. And if it's a real name that you're using, that's fine when it's complicated. But like you spell it in the most complex way possible. And, you know, as someone who has to sit here and write their name over and over again in a recap, I just get a little annoyed by it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was funny because everywhere else you spell it right here. And then, no, you <laughs> left the H out and we just talked about leaving the H out. And I thought it was funny. So. <laughs> 
So while Eddie is being booked, Deputy Curtis misspells his last name. Again, it's unusual spelling. And Eddie corrects him. He types in his address and then he asks Eddie for a phone number. When he looks from his computer over to Eddie, Eddie now appears to be Curtis, which obviously Mm. is freaky. You're sitting next to yourself. That would be weird. And then Eddie, as Curtis, hits the cop over the head with this ceramic piggy bank that's like been sitting on his desk and it knocks him out cold. Whoa. And then it's commercial. And I'm just going to say it once, even though it will become a bigger bugaboo later. But looking like someone and sounding like someone are not the same thing. Very so, true. Very true. That bugs me about this episode. So, And also, I'm wondering why the police officer has a piggy bank on his desk. Like, is it a tip jar? What the fuck? Why do you have a piggy bank on your desk? <laughs> Maybe their doing? kid gave it to him. I don't know. I don't know. Because he's got, like, dollar bills and quarters all laying next to his head when he's on the ground. It's kind of funny. So. Yeah. So, yeah. The next day, Mulder and Scully are at the precinct along with a group of EMTs. An officer tells him that he swore Curtis clocked out last night. He even spoke to him, but this morning he found him under his desk. Scully asked Deputy Curtis if he's sure he doesn't remember what happened last night. And we see him, he's like standing with his bandage on his head and he's flanked by EMTs who are, you know, checking him out. And he says, the guy cold clocked me, except he, he wasn't the guy. He was me. Mulder tells Scully he found Eddie's clothes in the locker room. He must have walked out of there wearing a deputy's spare uniform. Mulder says he has a theory if she wants to hear it. Scully Scully guesses that his theory is that Eddie transformed into his captor and then walked out the door, leaving no one the wiser. Mulder jokes that maybe they should be picking out china patterns together. But Scully says with the blow to his head, Curtis might have identified anyone as his attacker. In other words, he's confused. Maybe he thinks he saw himself, but I don't know. Mulder asks about what the other officers saw, but Scully says, well, he and Van Blunt are two men with roughly the same build and coloring, add in a uniform, and it's easy to mistake one person for another at 3 a.m. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but okay, sure. Yeah, I have a note later because they had, they are not the same build at all. They're not, and also like... If you work with someone all the time, like I see my coworkers on Zoom and if someone else appeared on the Zoom and, you know, was like had vaguely the same hair or whatever, I would still be like, you're not my coworker. So I don't know. It just seemed weird to me. Yeah. But Mulder points out that his theory helps explain how four married women could have mistaken Eddie for their husbands and how Amanda could think it was Luke Skywalker. Scully asks if he's saying Eddie is an alien, but Mulder says no. He thinks this is something different. <gasps> it's Donnie Faster. Oh, I was actually thinking it's kind of like the alien assassin who can like shift into different. Yeah. People. Well, he even does say Scully. Like we've seen this kind of thing before. Like we you, yes. we've both seen shapeshifters like with our own eyeballs. Whether you right, want so- to admit it or not, we've seen them. <laughs> so-, so we know that it is a possibility <laughs> in this world. Yes. Yeah. But I immediately thought of Donnie Faster just because I like mentioning Donnie Faster. Because <laughs> he just likes to re-traumatize me over and over again. I keep forgetting yeah. he exists and then you bring him back. <laughs> A shapeshifted demon. Yep. Anyway. So then we're at 17 Prospect Parkway. 
And as they are walking to the door of Eddie's house, Mulder asks Scully if she could be someone else for a day, who would it be? And Scully, because she is boring, says herself. <laughs> Mulder is like, that's boring. So Mulder agrees. Wouldn't she be tempted to try out someone else's existence for a day? And Scully says that looking like someone else and actually being someone else are two different things. But Mulder argues that people would treat you differently based on who you appeared to be, and maybe it's people's reactions to us that makes us who we are. Scully finally says that she'd be Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> Mulder's like, it can't be a dead person. And she's like, why the hell not? And he's like, because. Because people would realize that, Scully, like, you're not thinking properly. You're off your mark this episode. Again, <laughs> I just, I love you, Vince Gilligan. I really do. I feel like, I really wish I could get into Breaking Bad, because obviously he's... I'm just a fantastic writer. And that show, the premise just depresses the shit out of me. So I haven't ever watched it. But like, I just, I love these little conversations he throws in there. Like, it's just such a fun little like window into who these people are. And Scully, like not wanting to play along with this game. And Mulder, like being like, no, 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 you have to. And then she picks someone and he like is immediately like, that's not the rules. The rules are not a dead person. I meant like someone who's living right now. Like if you could be Skinner for a day or something, which I'm sure. Yeah. Mulder would be fascinated by. Yeah, if you transform into a dead person, people are going to notice. Like, oh, true. yeah, true. that person's dead, especially a famous dead person. Yes, so, yeah. yeah. So from the porch, Mulder sees someone leaf blowing, and the guy keeps. I don't know what was going on with this scene because I thought it was going to turn into something else. The guy is suspiciously like keeps looking over at them. Uh -huh. Ozzy's leaf blowing, and then nothing ever comes of this. I don't know what is going on. I don't know if it's because, like, weird, like, federal agents show up at the house or something. I don't know what is going on at all. Anyway, nothing ever comes of it, but it does reoccur several times. Before they can knock, Eddie Van Blunt Sr. opens the door and asks what the hell they're doing skulking around on his porch. And Scully introduces herself, FBI, and then asks if this is the home of Eddie Van Blunt. And he's like, yep, that's me. And she's like, well, we mean your son, Eddie Jr., and he's like, what has that moron done now? <laughs> so they get invited in. And then inside, Eddie Sr. is like, five women? So apparently they've talked to him and told him what happened. Meanwhile, Mulder keeps looking over at the leaf blower guy outside. He keeps looking back at the window. So again, I don't know what's going on with this. Never I think I think it there. does come back, but let's get there because it's been a while. Since okay. Okay. I will trust you. And then he's like, anything else? And Scully says, well, he attacked a deputy during his escape from custody. And Eddie Sr. is like, hurt bad? And Scully's like, no. And so Eddie Sr. is relieved. And he has no idea where Eddie Jr. is and hasn't seen him for the last two days. Mulder sees a framed poster on the wall. And it's all, see, Eddie the Monkey Man, magician, impressionist. And it has an illustration of a younger Eddie Sr. on it with a tail. And Mulder's like, is that you? And he's like, Yep, but he puts his like hands around his face, one in the same. And he's like, "You want to see?" And he starts to take his pants off, and Scully's <laughs> like, "No, no, we don't want to see." Actually, I do, I do want to see, but okay, sure. Thanks, Scully. You're a killjoy. And then it's funny because you hear like a little zip noise, like he zips him back up, and he says his son had his removed when he was a kid. He kept bugging him about it. He tried to convince him not to do it. And he was like, "You don't have looks, and you don't got brains, but at least you got the tail." Otherwise, you're just small potatoes. But he finally let him get it removed because he just kept bugging about it. And then apparently he has a magazine that looks like it's supposed to be like Life magazine or something. And it has a story about Eddie Jr. getting his tail removed, which I'm not sure that would rate a magazine cover, but okay. Uh, it's a medical mystery. I think especially in the 90s, I feel like I saw 
articles like that all the time, like magazine covers, like this person had this oh. crazy tumor removed or whatever. It was pretty I guess common. maybe too, if it was the son of Eddie the Monkey Man getting his tail removed. Yeah. Well, and it's probably like oh. that was the talk show fodder too. Like you would have episodes of like Donahue or like Oprah where someone had some weird thing removed and they would just be like, yeah, 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. Although this would have been like in the 50s or 60s when it would have occurred, I guess. So I guess 60s. Right. That's true. Yeah. A little yeah. earlier. Yeah, because both because he's he's roughly the same age as Mulder and Scully in this episode, mm-hmm. and they're both like what sixty one, sixty three, I think supposedly. Birthdays. Yeah, they're about in their thirties, so. so yeah. Yeah, so this would have been like late sixties, I guess, issues. So yeah, mm-hmm. anyway, the magazine is made to like it's like from the nineteen fifties, like Life magazine or something. But yeah, whatever, prop guys. So Mulder asks if Eddie Junior had any other unique medical conditions. And he's like, yeah, the boy was born sickly. And he says, Mr. Mulder at one point. And Mulder's like, excuse me, how do you know my name is Mulder? And he's like, oh, well, she told me. And Scully's like, no, I didn't tell you. And then he bolts. Boom, he just starts running. And Mulder's like, it's him. And Scully looks confused, but like runs around the side of the house. And then they go outside and all they find is the red robe that he was wearing discarded in the driveway. And they look all around at the people on the street and there's no sign of Eddie. And Scully's like, are you sure we're looking for Eddie Jr., not Sr.? And Mulder's like, well, whichever one it was, wouldn't you say he had a secret? And he throws the robe at her and it lands on her. So Yeah. So I was thinking that maybe, I realize this is not the case, but at first I thought the leaf blower guy was Eddie. Because we know, like, if he can shapeshift, maybe it's him. And he's. I kind of thought that too else. until this happened. And so yeah. I think maybe that's what we're supposed to think. Is that it's supposed to be like a mystery? Oh, so it's just all for think, us. Yeah, okay. we're supposed to think, oh, this guy is, and he's probably just a paranoid neighbor who knows that his neighbor's kind of weird. And I don't mean Eddie Senior, I mean Eddie Junior is kind of a weirdo. And so maybe he's just constantly like, what are those people doing at their house? And like, but like to us, we're supposed to be like, is that Eddie? Yeah. So maybe it's more for the viewer than it is for yeah. the story. Okay, they do do something like that later that I'm going to mention too, where it's, they're definitely doing something so that the viewer thinks something. Right. That would not. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I get that. Okay. But I did. Yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> so one of the wives from the clinic is at home and she's changing her baby's diaper and he has a little bandage where his little tail was removed. And her husband comes running in the front door and she's like, what are you doing home so early? And he locks the door and he gestures to the bathroom and like runs into the bathroom. And she's just kind of like, okay. So she stands outside the door and she asks Fred if everything's okay. She's like, Fred, are you okay in there? In the bathroom, we see that Fred, quote unquote, has reverted to Eddie Jr. And outside the door, she's like, what happened to the clothes you were wearing this morning? And he's just like, uh, I'll explain later. I need a little privacy. And then he calls her Babu affectionately. And she's like, okay, sugar patootie, and kind of lets it go. Yeah. So I kind of lied, but not really because this is a little bit different. So, again, voice stuff. When he's Eddie, he's using Eddie's voice. And I'm like, why doesn't she notice? Yeah, I know. I kind of wondered that, too, because, like. He does have a little, like, kind of not whiny is not the right word, but. Yeah, that kind of voice. Well, and if it's so. your spouse's voice, like I feel like you would know that their voice wasn't right. But I don't. She did yeah. see him walk into the bathroom, so maybe she's just letting. Yeah, but I mean, like even just having something like, "Are you sure? Okay, your voice sounds weird. Are you all right?" Like just something yeah. like that would have been like, "Okay, it would have been good." I, yeah. Now I'm back in. 
Right. Because now I'm out because I'm paying too close attention to the story. So closer yeah. than I probably should be. But, you know, hey, it's what I do. So. so back at Eddie's house, Mulder goes upstairs to look around. He finds an attic door and when he tugs on it, some dust falls down, but he can't quite get it open. And some of the dust gets in his mouth and he spits. And Scully has come upstairs and he tells her that what just fell in his mouth is quicklime. So they back up and they pull the handle down and a mummified body comes tumbling out. <gasps> yeah. Also, crazy. the upstairs looks like like you always talk about how like the monsters in like Kolchek and stuff like they live in just like garbage and don't clean their house. Mm-hmm. The upstairs is like like that. It's all like dirty and dark and like decomposing wallpaper and stuff. It's like, OK. Yeah, I mean, suspicious. I guess Eddie's not yeah. super responsible. Not good I at guess. maintaining a home. So then, back at the house, Eddie is still in the bathroom, and he hears the real husband come home. He's like, oh, shit. Yeah, no, <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. So, <laughs> And the wife looks at her husband horrified. She's like, you, you were just here. You went into the bathroom. So she sets the baby down, and they slowly approach the bathroom door. And they can see, like, a shadow moving under the door, so they know someone's still in there. So Fred opens the door. And we see that Eddie now looks like Fox Mulder, who says, it's all clear. <gasps> and then it's the commercial. So then we see Scully is about to use a bone saw and actually starts using a bone saw on the mummified corpse. And then Mulder comes in and asks, what killed Eddie the monkey man? So Eddie Sr., obviously. And she says she's not sure because the quicklime burned the body even as it preserved it. But she did find something odd. And she shows him a scan from a microscope. And he has a thin stratum of voluntary muscle tissue underpinning his entire dermal layer of skin. And that's not normal. He's quite literally a scientific specimen. Um, I think she says something like humans have like 354 muscles. And so he has 355. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So he has a whole extra muscle. And then while she's talking, Mulder touches the tail and it snaps off. And then... <laughs> He looks to see if Scully saw, but she doesn't seem to have seen him. And so, like, as he's talking to her, he's trying to, like, reattach the tail. Like, at first, she's got her back turned, and then later he's trying to do it, like, behind his back and that kind of stuff. And so he's like, do you think this is related to the tail? And she's like, I don't know. And so then he asks what the purpose of the extra muscle might be, and she's like, I don't know. It's atrophied, but that may be the result of the mummification. And he asks if the sun might also have the same anomalous muscular structure. And she's like, maybe. And so Mulder theorizes that maybe this muscle, which underlies all of the skin, can be used to remold the skin shape and texture, allowing him as to appear as older people. And Scully thinks it's more likely that Eddie Sr. has an identical twin. And I'm like, come on, Scully. Come on. <laughs> come on. Anyway, Mulder finally balances the tail on the corpse and tells her to check that out. And that he's going to look into something that bothers him about Eddie's M.O. He went after four married women who wanted to get pregnant and one who didn't. (gasps) Yeah. So I don't know that a muscle would change your bone structure and your hair and all that kind of stuff. No, probably not. I'm also wondering how she checked under all the mummy skin when she's barely beginning to cut into it. And also that it couldn't just be one muscle because muscles have to attach to something. You can't just have like a layer of like i guess you could just have a layer of goo under you that made your skin change but not if it's a muscle so anyway, yeah yeah 
Sorry, I get take I get taken out by the details, especially when they're science details, because I'm like, that's not right. So, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> they're trying like, to whatever, explain TV. this somehow. The <laughs> yep. so Mulder is back at the hospital, and he tells Amanda that he has a few questions. Amanda was holding the baby, so she hands the baby back to the nurse, and the nurse like leaves. And Amanda tells Mulder that she thought they were keeping her because she had really good insurance. But it turns out they think she's sort of crazy and they want to make sure she's safe to be around her baby. And Mulder's like, well, free cable. (laughs) So, you know, hey, Uh, he shows her a photo of Eddie and asks if she recognizes him. And she's like, yeah, that's Eddie Van Blunt. He's a loser. They went out in high school. He's one of those guys she looks back on and wonders what she was thinking. Mulder's like, well, what made him a loser? And she's like, everything. He had no sense of romance, no ambition, and he had a weird family. His dad was in the circus or something. Mulder says he must have had some good qualities. And Amanda says, sure, everyone's got a few. They had some good times, and he really loves Star Wars. So, I mean, that's plus in her book, obviously. But he was no Luke, that's for sure. And then she's like, why do you want to know? And Mulder's like, it's official FBI business. And then he gives her a rose to congratulate her on the baby. And she says, may the force be with you as he leaves. She is freaking adorable. And I love her so much. Like the character is so funny. And I just think she's, she's the best part of this episode, to be honest. She's so good. Yeah. Uh, it is funny. Cause like when she's like, he's a loser, he's like, mm. like the Mulder's <laughs> face. And then she's like, you know, weird family. His dad was in the circus or something. He's like, he like rolls his eyes. So you kind of get an idea that something's going on. Yeah. Taking it it a seems like he's taking it a little personal. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then Mulder arrives just as Mulder steps out into the hall. Uh Oh, mm. so what we're pretty sure is fake Mulder ducks out of sight. He hides behind the door. And then real Mulder goes in and closes the door. And Amanda is like putting the rose like in a glass of water on her table. And she turns around. And she's like, seriously, why do you want to know about Eddie? And Mulder is confused. And she's like, you were asking me all those questions about him. And Mulder is like, uh, and then his phone rings. And of course, we know who it is. Oh, except it's not. It's not Scully. It's Fred from the house. And he's asking if they can use their bathroom. And Mulder apparently told them the police would come and dust for prints, but that was four hours ago. And they're really having a hard time figuring out what's going on. And he wants to know why Mulder needed his suit. And Mulder's (laughs) like, "Uh, I'm going to have to call you back. And he's like, Amanda, which way did I go? And she is super (laughs) confused. (laughs) And then he leaves. (laughs) So so this is another one of those things that I think it was for the audience because it's very weird that Fred seemed to have the exact same suit and tie that Mulder is currently wearing because he is wearing the exact same suit and tie. It's not different, oh. um, which I think would have been a giveaway, right? If you were watching carefully, like me, you'd have been like, that's not really Mulder because he's not wearing the suit he's wearing in the house. He's wearing the exact same suit and tie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, which again, also bugs me because now I know that you guys tried to pull one over on me. So... <laughs> Anyway, in the hall, Mulders encounters the nurse and is like, there was a man who looks exactly like me. Which way did he go? And she's kind of like, uh, in the men's locker room, because she's because she just saw him go by into the locker room. So he thanks her and he heads into the locker room. Uh-huh. 
So this nurse was also the one who was asking for Amanda's like info in the opening and who the father was and stuff. She is played by Carrie Kane Sparks. She also played the maid in the episode Our Town mm-hmm. and a train station clerk in Nisei. Yeah, she'll also be playing Ella Fitzgerald in an upcoming movie about Eartha Kitt. Very cool. And yeah. I should have said Nisei, not Nisei. Sorry. Okay. So, and this is her last X Files appearance. So Mulder goes into the locker room and he draws his gun and he sees a man change it into a security guard uniform. And he tells him to put his hands up and he cuffs him. And then Dr. Pugh comes out of the shower and they both look at each other and then Mulder cuffs him to a pipe and he's got them both there cuffed. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm sorry, but one of you is the man I'm looking for. And once he has some blood tests back, he'll release the other one. And then he grabs his phone and he calls Scully and tells her to get down to the hospital. And she's like, okay. So, and I am pretty sure i cannot guarantee this because i don't have blood tests but the guy playing the security guard has to be related to elder number one aka first elder aka godfather conspirator because he looks i was like wait isn't that the godfather conspirator and they look alike but not similar but this guy's name is forbes angus and godfather conspirator's name is donis williams so they don't have the same name but damn they look similar like they've got like the same kind of like brow ridge in the eyes and the nose and everything Mm, like the lips yeah Godfather Conspirator is like heavier set a little bit, but damn, they look alike, man. Anyway, there are like seven people in this episode who are recurring bit parts. Like Dr. Pugh is recurring. The security guard dude that I was talking about is recurring. The duty nurse, which you talked about earlier, is recurring. The second husband, so not Fred, but like the other one before that we saw on the scene, he's a recurring character. The deputy is a recurring character. The DNA doctor lady, she's a recurring character. And of course, Eddie's a recurring character because he played Fluke Man. So he did play Fluke Man, although you could not have identified him at all. Yeah, they're both kind of pasty. Uh, but obviously but... he's made other other contributions to the series. Because usually he is not an actor on the show. He is a writer. Or was till he quit. But he came back to play a role for some reason. I have no idea why. Well, apparently Vince Gilligan wrote this part for him. Right. I just don't know so... why that happened, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was bored. He was like, I need something to do. And Vince Gilligan's like, hey, I got something. Yeah. I mean, maybe they like each other and they get along and they're buddies. And he's like, hey, I'm, a, you know, I know you're not writing anymore, but let's get you in here. So who knows? I don't know. Anyway, a light flickers overhead in the locker room after Mulder talks to Scully. And then he sees a ceiling tile is kind of pushed up slightly. And he opens it and he hears someone say, you're a good looking man. And then Eddie comes falling out at him. Ah! So I guess yeah. neither of those men were the man he was looking for. No. And how did Eddie get up there? I don't know. Anyway, I have a lot of questions on this episode. <laughs> don't overthink it. No. <laughs> I mean, that's like telling the wind not to blow. I realize that. <laughs> but So Scully arrives and the men Mulder cuffed are chewing him out while he apologizes. Mulder asks the cop who's also there if he's done. And the cop says, yeah, they got the description. As they walk down the hall, Scully asks what happened, and Mulder tells her that Eddie cold-cocked him and got away. Mulder tells Scully the police are on the warpath since he attacked one of their own, and they'll catch him eventually. But he's starting to doubt if they should be working on this case. And this is where I'm like, oh no, because Mulder never is like, oh, I don't think this is for us. You know, he wants to pursue all these weird threads till the end, you know, as far as he can go. He thinks the only thing that's here is small potatoes. 
He walks down the hall and Scully stares after him, confused. Because Scully knows he also is tenacious and doesn't usually let go of things very easily. I mean, getting hit on the head, maybe it'll make you be like, hey, that hurt. I'm not going to do this anymore. That's true. This guy's apparently really good at cold cocking people. So Yes, so. Yes, so. Yeah. Meanwhile, we see Mulder is locked in a small maintenance room in the hospital basement that has a sign that reads, see janitor for keys. Oh, <gasps> there's a commercial. Oh, no. And we come back from a commercial and Mulder's continuing to shout for help, but to no avail because he's in the room that's like inside the boiler room and the boiler room is making a hell of a lot of noise. Clang, clang, right. clash, clang, clash, clash, boom, boom, boom. So no mm-hmm. one hears his cries for help. So then we're at FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C. And we see Eddie as Mulder is sitting in front of Skinner's desk with Scully beside him while Skinner reads their report. He asks which one of them wrote it and Mulder, quote unquote, says it was him. Skinner says he spelled, <laughs> Skinner says he spelled Federal Bureau of Investigation wrong twice. Skinner asks if Scully determined a cause of death for the body they found. And Scully tells him that, yes, he died of heart disease in advanced age. Eddie, well, Eddie Mulder, says they think the son hid the father in the attic so he could continue to cash the old man's social security checks. So Skinner's like, okay, so he's not a murderer, but he's still a rapist. Meanwhile, the police have a photo of Eddie and are doing their best to find him. So there should be an arrest soon. And then Eddie Mulder's like, that about wraps it up. So uh, we're all good here. It's, it's We should stop worrying about this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> As Scully and Mulder head back to the X-Files office, Mulder's like, do you have plans for tonight? And Scully's like, well, I might work on a monograph I'm writing. But she's looking at the file. and She says, actually, the anomalous muscular structure has me intrigued. So she might actually go to Quantico and have them run some samples. And then she's like, okay, well, see you Monday. So Eddie has been like searching for keys, like the right key in his pocket. And he finally gets the right key and he goes inside and he sits in Mulder's chair and he leans back and then he leans too far back and falls over. And then he looks at Mulder's like, I want to believe poster and the articles about all like the weird stuff. And he shakes his head and he's like, this is where my tax dollars go. Then he uses Mulder's driver's license to get his home address. In his apartment, he looks around and he, like, wonders how he'll sleep. I think this is because I think Mulder's apartment is, in fact, like a studio apartment. Because I was always assuming there was a bedroom, like, somewhere. Like, if you went further in. But I don't think there is. I think Mulder's always sleeping on the couch because I think that's what he has to sleep on. I think he just sleeps on the couch. I don't know. Again, I think this is another one of those, like fandom jokes because people have always wondered mm-hmm. like we never see Mulder's bedroom because if it is a right. studio there's also not a kitchen in that area at all so, well there is a kitchen that we've seen or a bathroom right but like in that but if it's like a studio like the enclosed space we see there's n- neither kitchen nor bathroom well the kitchen is next to the if you go from the front door if you turn right there's like a kitchen so I've seen the kitchen I understand how that part of the layout works I've just never seen the bedroom but I think yeah. you're right that it might be like a phantom joke well thing. I know we have seen Mulder in bed watching Bigfoot videos with one of his hands oh, especially that's under the covers true. in Jose <laughs> Chunk from Outer Space and I assume that was his bed because it's got like a really nice headboard but it's also like a very small room it doesn't match the like the wall structure that we see in the main area but it it looks like it's probably like an apartment and not a hotel 
So, but then again, I mean, you know, episode to episode, consistency, whatever. So, yeah. Well, and who really knows? But I do I think, think this was another one of those things where, like, joke. that was just a joke yeah. thing. Like right. The, like the Silent H and some other stuff. So, yeah. yeah. So, Eddie plays the messages on the machine, and there's a voicemail from the lone gunman about how someone they know figured out how to extrapolate the Zapruder footage to get a bird's eye view of Dealey Plaza. Also, they're going out for cheesesteaks. So, do you want to come? Sound, that sounds fun. I would love to go out for cheesesteaks with the lone gunman and talk about the Kennedy assassination. Actually, yeah, because so. it's Langley on the on the vo- on the voicemail, and then in the background you hear like "that's another cheesecake," and it's it's Frohikini. He's like, "Oh yeah, Frohikini says we're gonna go out for cheesesteaks if you want to come." So it was pretty funny because we do get a little Frohikini. We'll get some sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> so then Eddie just kind of bums around Mulder's apartment and of course plays with his gun, which doesn't seem dangerous at all. Yeah. So then we see Scully, she's in her living room reading a large book when someone knocks on the door. It's Mulder, and she asks what's up, and he asks if it's a bad time, and she's like, no, and so she invites him in, and then Mulder has a bottle of wine, and she's like, what is that for? And he's like, us, and she's like, okay, sure, and it's like, have a seat. And then he asks her what she's working on, and she says, more autopsy data, and everyone in the lab finds Mr. Van Blunt pretty fascinating. They discovered an additional anomaly in his hair follicles. So I guess that answers the hair thing that I Mm -hmm. issued with earlier. So I have to say, so I know you've liked several scenes and like the stuff with Christine Cavanaugh is great, but I think the best scene in this whole episode is when she looks at the people at Mulder standing there and he gets this big old shit eating grin on his face and he's like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) that is pretty good between the fish eye and then the big smile that, that, that cracked me up. That was funny. So. Yeah, because he's where he's wearing like super casual clothes, right? Because Scully's like in her casual clothes, right? They're at home. Clothes. Yeah, they're yeah. off TV. So yeah. he's just standing there, and he's all <laughs> big old smile on his face to the people, and I thought that was hilarious. So, so she brings the wine and glasses over and pours it, and asks if Mulder's okay, and he's like, "Yeah, I was just thinking about how we never really talk much," and she's like, "Yeah, we don't." And then later, they've basically been killing this bottle of wine, and Scully might be a lightweight because she's pretty tipsy and is telling him some story about something happened when she was at prom they had a bonfire got out of control and blah, 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 blah. And then she's like i can't believe you're telling you the story and he's like i can't believe you never told me this story before and then he asks her if she's the person she wanted to be back in high school and she's like career-wise off by a mile and he's like have you ever wished that you could go back and do it differently and she asks if he does and he nods and then he moves in closer and she's kind of surprised, but not unhappy. And they're getting ready. They are not even an inch away from being smoochy time when the door bursts open and Mulder is standing there. And Scully looks at him and then back at the Mulder, who is like inches away from her face, and then like pushes him away and jumps off the couch. And then Eddie is caught and he's resigned and he turns back into himself. And I literally groaned at this point because they use the morph stuff to turn... Uh-huh. Mulder into Eddie, and they had been so good about not using it. They were using nice little cuts to go from, you know, the transformation. Mm-hmm. And I'm not mad. I am just disappointed. Yeah. So then we're at the Cumberland Reformatory, and it's one month later. And Mulder goes to visit Eddie, whom he talks to through one of those like glass partition things that you see in like mm-hmm. prisons and shows and stuff. 
And Eddie is wearing a baseball cap that says superstar. And Mulder's like, what's that about? Eddie says that his court-appointed therapist makes him wear it to bolster his self-esteem. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm not a court-appointed therapist. I don't know if that's really helpful, but sure. Mulder asks if it does, and he's like, not really. The other inmates just beat me up and take it, and every week she brings him a new one. Also, they have Eddie on some kind of muscle relaxer, so he can't make faces the way he used to. And then he kind of hopefully asks if Scully is there. And Mulder's like, what did you want to talk about? And Eddie says, it's funny. I was born a loser, but Mulder is a loser by choice. And he tells him he should live a little. God knows he would if he were Mulder. And Mulder's just like, uh-huh. he gets up and leaves. He's not really interested in this conversation. So we see Scully is waiting by the security desk and Mulder signs out and Scully tells him that he's not a loser. And he says, yeah, but I'm no Eddie Van Blunt either, am I? Kind of teasing her. And that's the end. That's the end. <laughs> and as they walk, they, they do that thing where they're like walking down the hallway and they walk like through the camera. And then we see Eddie sweeping up behind them. And I'm like, wow, they did a fast turnaround on like, like letting him out of that room and putting him back to work sweeping because like they just signed <laughs> out and then he's right there. So yep. again, TV didn't magic. waste any time. So, yeah. yeah. It was fine. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was funny. I really did enjoy. Obviously, I enjoyed Amanda. I thought she was hilarious. The Star Wars stuff was funny. I just love Mulder, like thinking he's got this like alien story and then immediately realizes, oh, no, never mind. This is just one of those people who's making stuff up because they do exist or is completely wrong or deluded. Uh, I really liked Eddie Sr. I realized that was not really Eddie Sr., but I thought that scene was really cute where he puts his little hands, you know, under his face yeah. and he's like, yeah, I'm the monkey man or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that was adorable. Um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything against Darren Morgan in this episode. He's fine. He does fine. Yeah, I'd prefer him behind the scenes writing, but Vince Gilligan is killing it. So I can't complain there. I think this is probably Vince Gilligan's weakest episode so far, personally. But <laughs> um, and I had I actually had no problem with uh, Darren Morgan. Actually, it was just kind of like yeah, it's just some, it's some it's someone acting. I did like the little end bit when he's in the thing and he's got the hat and him and Mulder. Just that little bit at the end where he's in the prison and Mulder and him are talking. Like he seemed to come across more. I don't know, just like oh yeah, he's yeah, he's just some uh, guy, you know. Yeah. yeah, I think the biggest problem I had with this episode was that they. And this is going to sound weird because obviously if you're writing comedy, you are intentionally writing comedy, but they were writing this to be funny. And it, I don't know, it, maybe just for me, it didn't hit. It just seemed like they were just trying to be funny, which obviously if you're being funny, you usually are trying to be funny. So it sounds weird to say that, but yeah. That's, no, that's but I understand what, I what you mean. Cause yeah. I did think it was funny, but I mean, there is a thing of trying too hard and sometimes, you know. I know it can feel if it feels like they're trying too hard, then it's not hitting the way they want it to. Yeah. But there were some good bits in it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Christine Cavanaugh was she, she was fantastic. Just the character itself. And then just. Yeah. Because especially with that, with with the voice she has, the character she playing like totally fits because like even when she was like talking about like they think I'm crazy, she was kind of like giggling a little bit like I'm crazy, I guess they're going to keep me here. That kind of thing. And so it was like she was just. She's just like a happy person, like all the time. Yeah. And just like, you know, even when she's talking about like dating Eddie, like in high school or whatever, it's still even like, can't believe I did that. But what are you going to do? You know? So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I really yeah. liked her. I just thought this episode was fun. 
Like, it's not a super intense episode, and it's not crazy conspiracy. I mean, not all the Monster of the Week episodes are fun, but this one's just fun. I feel like it was silly enough. I enjoyed the humor. I thought it was funny most of the time. Um, there were a couple points where I was like, well, wouldn't, wouldn't you notice? Like, just some of the stuff you called out or that we talked about where I was like, eh, I don't know if that really makes sense. But, like, I, I think the episode was good enough that I was able to just kind of ignore it. And I just... I was along for the ride. I enjoyed it. It was interesting to see Darren Morgan on the screen instead of like behind the scenes. And I thought it worked for what it was. I will say I've seen pictures of Darren Morgan. I don't know if I've actually seen interviews with him, but I've seen pictures of him and I've read interviews from him. But most of the pictures I see are more like modern-y, you know, mm-hmm. like from like when they did the when they when they come and do in like seasons 10 and 11 kind of thing. Yeah, the newer stuff. Yeah. And so, honestly, if I didn't know that was him ahead of time, I'm not sure that I would have been like, oh, that's Darren Morgan. I think no, I, would, I never I would have guessed. It's a guy. It was just some yeah. person they had playing the character. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed either. Because I'm not as familiar with how he looked. I'm sure back in the 90s, people probably knew what he did look like and had, like, you know, more. I like, don't know that they did. I think that people from the fandom knew who he was. And, you know, obviously it's in the credits. But well, that's I what I meant. That... People from people who were fans knew because. That's right. What, yeah. I mean, again, I mean, I think a lot of this was for the fans. Yes. So yeah. It was a very like, fan. Like it was enjoyable for everyone, but it was written specifically for, like, yeah. you know, in joke kind of stuff. You know? Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. And there's like the thing with yeah. like Mulder and Scully being about to hook up, but it's not really Mulder. So I'm sure people had strong opinions on that score. And then at the end, Mulder... I bet they would have had even more strong opinions if they actually had kissed. And so Mulder and Scully's first kiss wasn't really Mulder and Scully. Oh, yeah, that would have been fucking mind if that had happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure people would have been very unhappy. <laughs> it's OK. Mulder burst in at the right moment. And then the line at the end where Mulder's kind of teasing her and being like, well, I'm no Eddie Van Blunt. I don't know. I mean, obviously, that's them being a little flirty and cute. So, yeah, I see. I, and that's a, a, I think that's maybe that's perception because I didn't take that as him being flirty with her, like teasing her because she almost obviously kissed Eddie. I took that more as him being like. Maybe he's right. Maybe I'm kind of boring. You know, I, that's why that's how I took that part. But yeah, I mean, it, he could be saying like, it, you know, it could I, be, I could it be could bolder. Be both. Yeah, it so. could be because he, he does spend a lot of time hanging out with the lone gunman getting cheesesteaks mm-hmm. or whatever it is that he does on his off hours. So he's yeah. not, you know. And Eddie Mulder, when that when that voice mills over, he's all like, he has nerds for friends. <laughs> it's like he's just making comments about like Mulder's life. So, yeah, it was funny. But so, what would you rate this episode, Tori? Oh my goodness! Oh, I feel like it's been an eternity since we've done ratings. Yeah, because we didn't do them last time because we forgot. I know, I did forget. <laughs> so actually, you had to rate two episodes this episode. Oh so, no! Okay, hold on. Yeah. Let me pull up the the chart so I can kind of get a gauge on where I am. Just looking here, trying to remind myself. Oof, yeah, we've had some stinkers this season. <laughs> what did I read in nine? Paper Hearts. Yeah, Vince Gilligan. Vince Gilligan gets me. He gets me deep in my soul. He really does. I think I'm going to give this one an eight. I think it's fun. Okay. I I really enjoyed it. I had a good time. I was laughing. I thought it was great. So, I mean, I have some quibbles with it. It's not perfect, but I thought it was a fun episode. So I think... I think I'm going to give this the same thing I gave um, Never Again. I'm going to give it a six. Okay. It wasn't awful. It was fine. I don't think it was that spectacular. 
there was a lot of stuff in there that bugged me just like detail wise but mm-hmm. that stuff's always going to bug me yeah so yeah fair yeah six six fits all right I don't have any sevens this season. I you don't. Just noticing. I have a couple. I have sixes and I have eights and I have nines, but I don't have any sevens. Hmm. Interesting. I never That's have any right. fives. Never. <laughs> yeah, nothing's oh, ever like Oh, I do like, have right... a seven because I corrected an episode, but we'll talk about that when we do our season wrap up. So. Okay. I was going to say, nothing's yeah. ever really middle of the road here. I feel like either it's above or below. Yeah. So what about Synchrony? Our Synchrony. time travel episode. It was also like a cryogenic episode, which so we talked about cryogenics in this episode. And we also talked about cryogenics in an in search of episode. And I mentioned that I wasn't sure if this would be cryogenics because in synchrony, they said cryonics. And or was it did? Yeah. Or was it in search of it said cryonics? I forget. Anyway, someone said cryonics and I was like, I think it's cryogenics. So it turns out that cryogenics is civic. And cryonics is also specific, and um, cryogenics does get lumped into everything. So, like, we weren't incorrect in saying it was cryogenics, although it technically was incorrect. But lots of people do it incorrectly. So, okay, good to know. Good to know. Synchrony, I think I'm going to give it. I mean, it was an interesting premise. I had some questions. I mean, I feel like you always will with time travel. I don't know that it was mm-hmm. great, but I was entertained. Uh, I'm trying to think. Like, I wasn't annoyed when I was watching. I was annoyed trying to write the recap because I couldn't figure out who the hell was who in the beginning. And that really bothered <clears> me. But that's not their fault. That was just me trying to sort that's out. That's just you. You have you have that that dude thing where like. Well, yeah, I was trying to figure out the faces, but also like it was kind of confusing as to who was who. And then he was yeah yelling at Lucas and I don't know. Yeah. Um, but that that's a that's not a them problem. Your, your dude thing is going to come up next episode, too. So Yeah, some, I'm sure I, I fucked some something. I, yeah. You know, people just, I don't, I don't know who. Well, actually it came up this episode too, because you, uh, in your notes, you didn't realize that it was, uh, Dr. Pugh in the shower. Oh, (laughs) you know what? I probably did it. You wrote some other guy. (laughs) Some other dude. Listen, if if you're not a prominent (laughs) character and I don't know your face, I'm not going to recognize you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, just mild face blindness, which I didn't realize I had until we started this podcast, but I should have known because I'm, I don't know. I never know who anyone is. <laughs> I never know what's going on. I'm just walking around in a fog of confusion. Yeah. So not to distract from you rating synchrony, but it does, we've talked about it, that it does seem to be mainly like it's white related dudes. for you. Yeah. It's white, well, white dudes in particular, but like, cause you don't seem to have that trouble with women. I don't think. Yeah. I don't know why it that may is. also be, there's not as many women on television. So you don't have the opportunity to get them confused. Unfortunately, that's, that's possible. So, cause I do watch, um, yeah. I watch married at first sight, which I'm very, it's my brainless, whatever. And I listen to like three podcasts about it. So it's great for when I'm busy at work because oh I can my God, watch there's one three episode. podcasts about the single <laughs> there's, show. There's a lot. Um, but like, I can listen to like all three. So like, I have like three hours of content for every episode I watch. Um, so it's great when I'm working because it's all kind of mindless. But um, a lot of times I do confuse 
like in the first part of the season, I struggled to figure out who's who. And it has nothing to do with like race or gender. Like, I mean, obviously I know that the guys are the guys and the women are the women, but like I'll confuse a couple of the women if they look similar okay. and it'll take me a while through the season to get figure out, wait, whoa, this is that woman and that's that woman. Or like, this is that dude, that's that dude. And some of them are people of color and not just white people. So I think it is just a, a common problem. I just think on the X-Files specifically, because most of the people on the show are white dudes, those are the yeah. people that I tend to get confused more. So I don't think it's actually yeah. that I have like white dude face blindness. It's it's just that that's it's just mostly white dudes. That's all that's there. Yeah. yeah. So, it's all yeah, white dudes. That. And so, yeah. yeah. When someone's probably. not a white dude, they stand out and you're like, oh, it's that person. So, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, on shows like Married at First Sight, about a quarter of the way through the season or halfway, I'll start to be, you know, I figure it out, but it just takes me a little longer to okay. figure out their faces. So, I mean, that is a thing. People, you know, have face blindness so i do apparently i have a mild do. thing i didn't even know that that was yeah. something i had until we started this I, I have learned so much about myself in this podcast <laughs> but Stephen fry apparently has it for my, my oh okay right? i love Stephen fry yeah. but i will say yeah. one thing i have not learned from this podcast but from watching buffy over and over again is that david greenwald can be really hit or miss and i feel like synchrony is it's not great. I'm going to go with a seven, I think, because it's not bad. But okay. I mean, it was entertaining enough that I didn't feel like, oh, I don't want to watch this. But yeah, room for improvement. I have, I have to admit, you brought up David Greenwald and I lost the thread for a second because I was like, Tori, that's last episode. What are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because we're rating last episode. We can do it. I like totally just lost track of Dude. everything. Mentally. It's been a long so. fucking week. And also Mercury's <laughs> in like retrograde again or something. Again? So, you know what? I know it's like four times this year. I think it just does it all the time, and I'm um, not happy about it. <laughs> well, at least we're recording this time. So I yay. know. I I think I'm going to do the same. I think I'm going to – well, not the same as you, but I'm going to do the same as me. And I think I'm going to give Synchrony a six also. Okay. I did like this one. This I don't know. Synchrony might end up becoming my only ever five possibly. I'm not sure. I'll think about it. But it seems weird to – like six feels right, but then if I gave – Small potatoes of six, it feels wrong. So, hmm, I'm not sure. Anyway, but yeah, like I like the premise. It wasn't a bad, there were some weird choices. I mean, I think time travel stories are always weird choices. Like I had the thought of like, why did he go to all the trouble of doing what he's doing? He sh Like he should have immediately just gone in and erased all the data and it would have been fine. No one would have known and right. it would have been over. Like, why did you bother trying to save people or kill people or whatever? Just go erase the data, go back to your own time and hope everything's changed and that things aren't weird. Or yeah. realize that it didn't matter because you actually created a new timeline and a multiverse and so you actually didn't do anything so yeah i don't know yeah time travel is really hard to write about so i don't know yeah it seems like time travelers just make poor decisions like it's they true. don't think things through yeah so anyway well they certainly haven't helped us i'm just saying <laughs> i mean or have they we don't know right if they're, good they time travel if they're good time travelers we wouldn't know that they were time travelers. True. I guess that's true. So it's the bad ones that you know are time travelers because they're. I just mean with the way our current world is, it doesn't feel like they have. I mean, but anyway, you know, maybe it's. I a, guess it could always maybe be worse. A plan, maybe it's supposed to be that way. That gets really close to God has a plan, and I don't vibe with that. So, but yeah. Mm -mm. No, I don't either. Yeah, yeah. You have said it before that yeah. I don't know. I don't know that we live in the worst timeline, but it's not a particularly great one at the moment. Mm -mm. So. No. Yeah. Yeah. Could be worse. Could be much worse, though. Could be worse. But, you know, I mean, like, 
I, I would not survive long in a zombie apocalypse, for example. So, you know, I guess we're doing okay. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to go that far. I was just thinking, like, politically. Oh, well. All that kind of stuff. We could be, no. you know, just, we could be in worse situations. <laughs> so. We could. We've we've been yeah. there before, fairly yeah. recently. Anyway, I Want to Rewatch is hosted by two people that you listen to every week. I don't have it in front of me. There we go. I should know it by now. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by... <laughs> Shit, sorry. I'm starting to lose it a little. This is gold. 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 <laughs> There's your outtake, Nick. There's your outtake. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. Episode production design and editing is by Lazy and Production. So, like, Tori thinking I'm going to cut that part out, you know, that's my choice. <laughs> Our music is Dark are. Science by David Hillowitz, and The Truth <laughs> is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. I just say shit and... I'm always surprised about what ends up on the show. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I listen to it, and I'm like, we're pretty funny. Also, that's still in there. Cool. All right. <laughs> I Want to Rewatch is where we talk about the X-Files, as well as what we like to call X-Files adjacent television and films. If you like what we're doing, tell a friend. We'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time, and together we'll try to figure out if, if the, the truth, truth is, is still out there. Jumping into small potatoes, or yeah, let's do it. This episode makes me happy. This episode makes me so happy. I don't care if you like it; it makes me happy. It's ridiculous. It's the best. It's the best of the three things we're doing today. I'll say that. Okay, I actually like zero sum a lot too, but I like Skinner being sneaky. Oh, okay. All right. Should we maybe mention the the bias of coffee and the Patreon or something? I actually have a whole section of that in the next one. Oh, never mind. Okay, perfect. For you. Yeah, so you get to talk a lot about things that you may not know about. So I put notes in there. That that always works out so well. So it worked out good because the name is zero sum, and I thought it was funny to then talk about giving us, you know. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. yeah, so we do it. We do like the here. He's Nick Zatori, blah 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 thing, and then I go speaking of zero sum, and then you're going to talk about all the different stuff. And then I'm going to say that, like, hey, use my name if you're going to talk shit about me. Don't just call me the male 
host. Okay. Someone had fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're always like, Tori, oh, Tori, Tori, the male host. I'm like, just either ignore me or like, my name's in the fucking episode. You know my name. Like, don't be rude. You can talk shit about me. I don't care. But like, use my fucking name. I already have a Y chromosome. Anyway. (laughs) Oh, jeez. So funny. (laughs) 